There we go. Hey, there we are. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. I'm Trey Crowder, and that's Mark Agee. What's up, Mark? Uh, nothing, Trey. Uh, feeling a mixed emotions because happy the pandemic's almost over, but I realized that it's been a whole year and I didn't learn a single new skill. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, do anything. you know, I, you didn't do nothing. I did a couple things. I picked up, uh, baking, which is very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, bread has a mind of its own. I found out yeast can't figure out how that works, but you know, we're trying. And then most recently, uh, me and my sons planted a little, uh, garden of sorts. And I, I talked to my mama, I got her advice on it. Cause she always had a garden growing up and I, you know, it takes a little while for seeds to sprout, but every day for the past like seven days, I've been telling Katie, like, them seeds is dead. I did something wrong. I killed them seeds. That, that's not right. And she's like, it takes a minute for for them to sprout up. And I'm like, no, 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 I did something wrong. But the past couple of days, seen some little greeneries coming up through there. I've got like, yeah, 14 little sproutlings. We're going to see, you know, your standard herbs and peppers and whatnot, but I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see what happens. So you nice, did that. You learn nothing. No, no, which is, which is weird because, like, <laughs> of the two of us, I'm the one much more likely to think the apocalypse is about to happen. And you were out there preparing to make and grow your own food, and I was just, like, ready to die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my dad, we, we had a garden when I was a kid, but ours was, like, two acres, and my dad would make me work in it all summer. So I'd, like, kind of, like, I guess that's why I wouldn't survive the apocalypse is I have this, like, innate resentment of having to grow my own food. Because yeah. I mostly identify with fighting with my sisters in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, I live in the future. I don't need to know how to do this shit. This isn't cool. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. The, the apocalypse comes. That's fine. I don't need baits. I'll be, you know, whatever. Yeah. You got I mean, to beat somebody up and steal their baits, Mark. You know. That's- yeah. That's why you stuck up on ammunition. What do, what do I need beans for if I have a gun and ammunition? Right. Take your yeah. beans. That is the uh, American way. <laughs> <laughs> I never, like, I never really related to apocalypse movies because I, like, I always think, like, why are people fighting so hard to survive? I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> just, just lay back and take it. <laughs> there's no more air conditioning. Yeah. Like there's no more What's TV or movies. There's no more HBO. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. No air conditioning, no <laughs> HBO. Just take me now. Apocalypse. Yeah. Get yeah. my zombie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with us as always, producer Matt doing his thing. And this is weekly skews tonight. Uh, we engage in that time honored American tradition, particularly in the South of ragging on Mississippi for a while, <laughs> particularly their governor, Tate Reeves, who remains steadfastly dedicated to his governance philosophy, which states that owning the libs is more important than taking care of his people. We'll get into all the gory details of that. We also are a little bit later going to have a conversation I'm very much looking forward to on the subject of populism. What is it really? What should it be? And also the future of progressivism in this country, particularly in rural America. And we'll be having this conversation with one of the OGs of the field, Mr. Jim Hightower. It's going to be a great show. But first, as always, we begin with the Daily Dumbass. Matt, uh, graphic, please. If you have it, he literally just texted me and asked me to stall for two minutes. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, we, <laughs> we have... Um, yes, Jim Hightower is a former two-time Texas commissioner of agriculture, but also has uh, been a populist commentator on radio and in print and a New York Times bestselling author for years now. So this man has walked the walk for a very long time and knows exactly what he's talking about. So um, looking forward to that conversation. 
Yeah, I like this is my. Uh, uh, I was reading up uh, 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 some background information about Jim. There's a profile in the LA Times written in 1985 when he was the Texas Ag Commissioner, and it's a quote he had: uh, "Ronald Reagan promised us a seven-course dinner, but all we got was a six-pack and a possum." <laughs> so, <laughs> a six-pack and my a hero. possum. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so <laughs> our buddy and friend of the show, Drew Morgan, is back in. Morgan County, Tennessee right now. Uh, this is just mm. a fun little story for y'all. He went back home like a All right. Sorry about that, everybody. I'm texting producer Matt trying to figure out what to do. I'm going to, uh, for just a second, I'm gonna, so Drew went back home to Morgan County, Tennessee, hadn't been there two weeks, and he's posting pictures of himself with a possum on his shoulders. So, you know, just you know, right back into the culture. He's now got a, uh, like, you know, the equivalent of a parrot for a pirate, but in Morgan <laughs> County, that's a possum you get on your shoulder. But the funniest <laughs> thing was we were texting him about, uh, 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 here comes Matt. <laughs> Uh, we were texting. He was Drew was in the middle of a long ass rant about how like media stereotypes hillbillies and southerners as being like poor white trash idiots. And then in the middle of that rant, says, "Hey, my buddy just brought over his pet possum. This is a picture with a possum sitting on his shoulder." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt said he had to restart uh, on his end, and now he's back. So okay. All right. On tonight's Daily Dumbass segment for the second week in a row, we're going to be discussing the N-word. Is it making a comeback? Many would say it never left. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, if you missed it, a Oklahoma high school basketball commentator was so incensed by one team's decision to kneel during the national anthem that he referred to them as, quote, fucking N-words. Although, of course, he didn't say N-word. He said the real deal. Full hard R, put all the stank on it, whole nine yards. He did this without realizing that he was speaking into a hot mic. Now, you might think that's a truly monstrous thing to have done, but before you rush to judgment, you should know that the man in question has since provided a perfectly reasonable explanation for this. <laughs> Matt, play the clip if you have it. Shay, the announcer, Matt Rowan, issued a statement apologizing for his comment. He said he's not a racist and said he has type 1 diabetes and that when his sugar <laughs> spikes, he becomes disoriented and says things that are inappropriate and hurtful. Now, to be clear, saying inappropriate and hurtful things is not listed as a symptom of diabetes on the Mayo Clinic <laughs> website. <laughs> public school district superintendent they went to the today. website, Trey. He told me he wants the right, NF. That we've got cut made out of that, Matt. You yeah. can cut that off. So, Mark, the sugar made him do it. What do you think about that? I mean, diabetes caused racism. I'm happy that science has finally discovered what causes memos. So we finally <laughs> yeah, got to the right. bottom of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I like... Obviously, HS the knee-jerk reaction is to, you know, make fun of this man. But I think about my time growing up in rural Tennessee, and this is anecdotal, I admit. But in my experience, I feel like the Venn diagram <laughs> of people with the betas, and I'm not talking about diabetes here. I'm talking about the betas, which is its own yeah. special subtype of diabetes. Mm -hmm. the, the Venn sugar. diagram of people with the betas 
and uh, people who said the M word, you know, there was a fair amount of overlap there. I feel yeah, like there just, might be there might be something to this hypothesis. <laughs> just uh, just in a hunch, Matt looked up a map of the states with the highest rates of diabetes. If you have that map, throw it up, uh, throw it up, Matt, <laughs> because it's pretty pretty much proves this guy's hypothesis. <laughs> Uh, there you have it. Look at that. Yeah, look where the red is. <laughs> the red is where the red is. The red uh, is where the red is. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, he might be onto something there. Yeah, I don't know. I want, he, this guy's going to write a memoir, probably about N words took my foot. That's what like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, look, obviously we're uh, kidding around and making fun of this guy because that's what he deserves. And, you know, I uh, said jokingly a couple times, oh, don't judge him till you hear his explanation. No, please judge him. It, it, but we've, we've had a conversation similar to this on here before, but, and I know it's not Evite, but like it continues to blow my mind that I know he thought the mic was off. I cannot imagine a person with the audacity to say something that hardcore about a group of high school children with a microphone in front of his face and in a public setting. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I know it isn't surprising, but to me, it's just like the level of brazen, shitty stupidity of so many people in this country never ceases to amaze me, I guess is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. I mean, the, the, he got he doesn't work for this school. I forget why he works for some company was broadcasting a high school girls basketball game, and I don't really understand why. But anyway, he got suspended while they're conducting an investigation. I don't know what you're investigating. It, it, the guy already admitted <laughs> yeah. he said it. It was on tape. Uh, but if, you, if you're not familiar with Norman, Norman's a college town just outside of Oklahoma City. Yeah, um, OU, right? That's where Oklahoma yeah. University's at. So it's college town. Uh, those those uh, those kids. They, they, they should. If you look at the news report of the story. All those kids weren't even. They, I mean, they, they, half the kids were white. They were they were kneeling in solidarity with their teammates. And by the way, in response to this, the next game, both teams kneeled. So, uh, and one, they asked one of the students, and they're like, "Well, he, the dude actually showed why we kneeled." So there you go. It's, right. That, that puts a bow on it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All right. So moving into the honorable mentions. First up, honorable mention for daily dumbass. We have uh, cats. In case they ever thought Donald Trump. Gave a shit about them. Um, and Matt, you can put the clip up whenever you have it. He he had, he dropped in for a special guest appearance uh, unannounced <clears throat> in Mar-a-Lago. Also, look it up there. Look, it's really beautiful. So I didn't exactly prepare for this, but I was walking and I hear everybody screaming in the ball. I said, what's going on? I said, we're going to help dogs. And that's okay with you. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a the video goes on where he goes to say we have many high level meetings the way the, in the Oval Office about how to help dogs. Uh, I don't know how to say yes. this, Trey, but I do not believe him. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, something seems a little off about that to me. Uh, you know, and yeah. I, I assume these were like good, high quality dogs as opposed to Joe Biden's piece of shit, old ass, sorry dog, <laughs> which, like he's which everybody. the American right has made a yeah. point of disgracing in recent weeks. These are only the good dogs that they're they're saving. Yeah. But yeah, no, Trump famously hates dogs, by the way, about how this works. Right. 
the yeah. So Lord Trump question. Lord Trump runs a uh, dog charity, which apparently serves as a pass through to, to pay donations to uh, to Trump properties. It was basically the same thing that Eric got caught doing with children's cancer charities and what Trump did with veterans charities. And the reason they lost their uh, licenses to they they were they're for, the Trumps are forbidden to be on the boards of charities because they got caught stealing so much. Laura apparently has escaped this ban. She runs this dog charity that has raised. Um, well, that particular event paid Mar-a-Lago two hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars. I don't know how much went to an actual dog. I'm guessing not much. Uh, but over the years, one point nine million dollars of uh, uh, of all their money, one point nine million dollars has been paid towards fundraising costs. So, which is a typical charity hustle. What you do is you take the money and you pay yourself the money for raising money. Right. So that's what Laura's up to right here. Uh, yeah. So Trumps are doing what the Trumps do, which is uh, uh, find honor systems, exploit them. Yeah. Grifting. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but like you said, yeah, that's how a lot of charities grift in that way. I mean, I'm not ragging on the concept of charities. There's a lot of good charities out there, too. But it's a common thing in the charity world that, yeah, they take. There's like some really low percentage that they have to spend on the actual cause. And as long as they do that, then technically they're still a charity. But what that amounts to is like the vast majority of the funds they take in just goes to yeah. like paying themselves or lining their own coffers in one way or another. So, yeah, the Trumps are yeah, it's like, the dogs. It's like in a breast cancer awareness month. If you buy a pink Dallas Cowboys hat, 10% of the profits go towards breast cancer research, uh, which is not right. even like – so. The, not 10% of the net, 10% of the profits. So 90% of the profits are still going to, uh, yeah. to uh, uh, Derry Jones. <laughs> all right. We had another couple of uh, honorable mentions, but Matt, producer Matt, if you're listening right now, I want to skip ahead to uh, the artistic yeah. masterwork <laughs> that the former Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has been spending her time on uh, in recent months. Mark, you want to set this up for us, please? <laughs> all right. So uh, Steve Mnuchin's wife, her name's Louise Lynn. You, know, you might remember her uh, uh, from the pictures holding the money at the uh, 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 at the, the the money factory. I forget the, the mint. There you go. Uh, and she also <laughs> she also Down got there at the money shop. You know where they you know yeah. where they got the where they make the money stuff at. Yeah. Yes. The she also got got in a fight with a bunch of uh, a few years ago got in a fight with a bunch of regular people on Instagram because she grammed herself stepping off of a, a US government jet which she wasn't supposed to be traveling on and someone's like really you're wearing like Louis Vuitton shit and a taxpayer funded jet and uh, anyway she gets I'm sorry my life is more important than yours she actually said that to a lady or something approximating that anyway if you wonder what she's been up to in the years since besides hiding out in Los Angeles and trying not to be in the newspaper anymore uh, she got back to making movies she was an actress before she met Mnuchin and uh, not a particularly successful one. She, her credits are mostly like Dead Hooker and CSI and stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, so she, now she has now she has Steve Mnuchin money, so she financed her own movie, and um, it's pretty amazing. Let me read a description from one of the reviews. Uh, the movie has it co-stars Gospel Girls Ed Westwick. It has diamonds, spider sex, spin classes, knives, fight scenes, curling irons as weapons, theraguns, whatever that is. The line "I'm going to disembowel this kid and kill him," which she says, a wedding, a dinner. <laughs> Uh, and a menu that includes dog uh, includes testicles and a drug fueled poolside orgy. Now I want you to remember all that and watch this clip of this scene, which is about nothing except her being cool as shit. <laughs> it's a dream. No neighbors, huh? Throw some pretty sweet parties. Won't get any noise complaints. No, that never is. Activate party mode. <laughs> 
like that's enough at the end she shuts it yeah. off uh activate party mode trey activate, activate party, mode. party mode it's like she can't just go into dancing she's first got to activate party mode then just break it down for a little bit and then after that just stop also love how my man's rocking the like that like 90s shirt Grunge. tied around your yeah. waist thing bringing it back man imagine being that dude i you know like like just imagine like do you see him trying to react to that doing yeah doing as good a job as anybody could do i feel like because how do what do you make your face do when your face is pointed towards that happening when you in front of you when you watch the trailer it's pretty apparent she's trying to do like some sort of like dark comedy or parody of people like herself but here's the thing. It's kind of like if you made American Psycho, but Patrick Bateman was being played by Patrick Bateman. Right. Because here's the here's the voiceover over the trailer. All right. Yeah. Let me read it to you. My name is Catherine Black. You may think that I'm a materialistic, narcissistic, self-assort misanthrope. I don't deny it. I'm a hedge fund manager. Manager. I'm addicted to fashion, the accumulation of money, exercise, and sex. My life is incredible. <laughs> Uh, everybody what we we haven't yet mentioned for anybody that's curious the name of this um cinematic masterpiece is called me you madness mm -hmm. i believe it's available on demand right now if anybody wants to check wants to check it out and it's one of those things where it's like i don't necessarily want to support this but i can't help but want to to watch this now like i want to see you know it's train wreck cinema i've got to see it play out yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. <laughs> All right. So we mentioned up top we're going to be talking shit about Mississippi for a little bit. Again, this is mostly about their governor, Tate Reeves. What's going on with him and them right now is he's made it clear that um, Mississippi is going to reject the Medicaid expansion for working class constituents. Um, essentially, they're turning down a lot of money, a whole lot yeah. of money. They're ba they basically would be getting paid to take the money they've been refusing to take already, if that makes sense. Like they've been, yeah. you know, rejecting the uh, Medicare expansions and whatnot there already. Now there's an incentive where they would get even more money if they just took the money the government's trying to give them, which would go to our health care for the denizens of Mississippi. And Tate yeah. Reeves is just having none of it. He's uh, refusing to do it because, you know, socialism i guess is, is yeah is well that the, the probably fundamental flaw in obama's presidency was he had uh he believed in the good hearts of republicans and the right. good nature of them and so like the obamacare was structured to reimburse states to uh, uh for accepting medicaid expansion right so it was going to cover like i don't know 80 90 of the costs a lot of the costs right but it, what kind of idiot would not take free money to to give their constituents health care for 10 cents on the dollar well, 12 states didn't. So we sab they sabotaged Obamacare from the start and been trying to kill it for, you know, whatever, uh, uh, nine years now. And then so. Yeah. Biden one of those states, real quick. One of those states was Tennessee, by the way. And mm -hmm. meanwhile, the hospital in my hometown has closed twice in two mm -hmm. years or whatever. Yeah. Can't keep the hospitals open there. And this is part of the reason why. So. 
Yeah. yeah. So in the COVID, so in the in, in the COVID bill, what Biden went back to was like, okay, well, this is the way Affordable Care Act structure. We can't restructure right now, but we're going to cover a hundred percent of the cost if you expand it. A hundred percent of the cost. So you can you don't have to, you you can't even say your state's too broke to pay the ten percent or twenty percent or whatever. It's you're not expanding government anyway. This already exists. All you have to do is take it. Now he's essentially rejecting more than a hundred. Like it pays more than a hundred percent. We're giving the states extra money to take it. And Tate Reeves is like, nah, still not taking it. So if you pay federal taxes in Mississippi, you're getting less than zero on your dollar. You're paying for health care for people in other states that you don't have access to because your governor fucking hates you, basically. Um, well, and- is it that he hates the people of Mississippi, Mark, or is it just that he's got higher priorities? Yeah, he's been real busy. Uh, for yes. example, this week, he signed a, a, a bill keeping transgender students from women's sports. Uh, it's the first anti-trans law of 2021, uh, which we talked about in recent episodes. Uh, how many how many trans kids do you think they are trying to play women's uh, girls sports in Mississippi, Trey? Right. It's I mean, be. literally can't be more than a handful. I would th- like Half dozen? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, so that's what he's concerned with. While, uh, you know, his constituents can't get medicine in the middle of a goddamn fucking pandemic. By the way, he lifted uh, the state's mask orders. And while he's doing that, he's still going, he still has time to go on Sunday shows and also keep repeating that Joe Biden did not legitimately win the election. So, uh, yeah, he's an asshole. I hate him. Uh, but we were, so we wanted to tell if, if you guys are Mississippi voters and you're undecided on Tate Reeves, we wanted to tell you guys a little bit about him besides the things we just told you, which is pretty much all you need to know that he doesn't care whether you live or die. And he's more concerned with uh, doing culture war signaling and going on Sunday shows to try to jur up more insurrections at the Capitol. Um, uh, he got in trouble. <laughs> Like like anybody named Tate Reeves who would re- who would re- who would be uh, <laughs> climbing in Republican politics. Turns out he was in a racist fraternity that had a bunch no. of blackface scandals. No. What? No, <laughs> yeah, surely not. Tate Reeves. Not Tate Reeves. Not Tate Reeves. Yeah. No. So he has a fraternity called Kappa Alpha, which of course he was. And uh, uh, the, the, if Matt, if you have those pictures, uh, these somebody dug up these pictures from his frat days. And uh, it includes um, some, when I say blackface pictures, this is not just somebody dressing up as a, a black person for Halloween. They did minstrel show type makeup with like red lipstick and shit. Yeah, one uh, of the pictures I saw, it looked like they were like uh, in like tribal blackface or something. Like yeah. full on, like, you know, yeah, like you said, not just regular, <laughs> you know. No, it's all bad. variety, regular blackface. This is no. advanced blackface that they were yeah. doing at Tay Reeves' school. You, like, like, don't, don't, don't do any kind of blackface. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm just, right. Like, being very clear. Of but course, like, yeah. usually it's somebody's <laughs> like, well, I like, I just wanted, I was dressing up like David Ortiz for Halloween. I had the jersey. I just, I, I, so I browned my face up to be David Ortiz. You're like, well, you fucking suck. You're, st- you're stupid. But this intentionally did blackface like they did in the minstrel shows. Like, like yeah, that picture on the right there. Let's see where they have look the... Look uh, that. Uh, yes. They look like uh, worse racist juggalos. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. Like it's, like, it's like if you took juggalos and made them the clan, you know, yeah. if you mix juggalos and the clan, this is what you come out with uh, yeah. on the right. This, this was while... This is while Tate Reeves was there, by the way. So this is his fraternity while he was there. If you have the next picture, right. there's a big group photo where they're all dressed like the Confederate Army. And Tate yeah. Reeves is probably in that picture, although it's like taking far enough away because it has like 80 guys right. in it. Because well, like, that's like, the thing. And I don't care about being fair to Tate Reeves, but the, like, no. he, like he has not been 
he's not in these pictures, right? Him specifically, like he hasn't been confirmed and verified as being in them, but he was in this mm-hmm. fraternity at this time when these pictures were taken, just in the mm-hmm. interest of accuracy. That's the situation. I wonder yeah. how that, I wonder how he went about, I don't know how he scrubbed the, that in a certain, if he just got lucky cause he was, t- he was like passed out drunk or something. Every time they had a uh, Confederate picture day, <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever or if he knew know. even then he wanted to get into politics which i'm sure he did know that then and yeah. so we all know that yeah yeah right and so he you know he kindly yeah. stepped to the side whenever the cameras came out or something and but you know look, he wasn't I, opposed to the practice I, i'm from virginia and we had a governor my, my, my our current governor also had a blackface scandal and Today, I think it's today, he just signed a bill uh, uh, re-enfranchising felons, giving them the right to vote. They've expanded Medicaid. Like, Ralph Northam, just because he's signing the bills the progressive legislature is putting in front of him, has turned out to be the best governor of Virginia of my lifetime. So, eh, I don't know. Maybe we'll let that one go, I guess. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, in general, a little bit more of some fun Tate Reeves facts. His running mate, his lieutenant governor, is named Dobert Hoseman, which I thought was great. And... <laughs> Just so you know, Tennessee Republicans are all bad. Delbert Hoseman realized in 2013 when he was the Secretary of State that um, the 13th Amendment, um, you know, eradicating slavery. Turns out yes. Mississippi had never actually, uh, uh, they'd have voted to approve that if they hadn't sent it over to the National Archives. He rectified that. So uh, Delbert Hoseman ended slavery in Mississippi in 2013. So more power to him for that. Well, again, they've been Jesus. busy, Mark. They've had... <laughs> stuff going on down there you know they just they couldn't get around to officially outlawing slavery until the 21st yeah. century 13 years into the 21st century uh um, do you remember uh charles, charles barkley's uh 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 famous quote about i forget exactly its phrase but like alabama's one saving grace is thank god for mississippi <laughs> I, it's funny you say that because I, I set up top we're gonna you know engage in that time our tradition of ragging on mississippi and yes it's very mm-hmm. much a thing if people like for people from outside the south are not aware and look i you know i get it I know what it's like to be from a place that's got a whole lot of dumbasses in it. So I know there's a lot of wonderful Mississippians out there, but it is still very much a thing in the South in general. That's like, well, at least we ain't Mississippi. You know what I mean? It's like, it sort of like goes down on a geographical scale where I know Kentucky's like, well, at least we're not Tennessee. And in Tennessee, we're like, well, at least we're not Alabama. And then Alabama's like, well, at least we're not Mississippi. And then Mississippi has no one to point to. Like, Mississippi's Mm -hmm. the one that we're all just like, well, you know, look over there. Could be even worse. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, at least we're not Ukraine. I don't know. (laughs) But I believe in Mississippi. They can get it together. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into introing our guest tonight. We'll bring him in in just a second. So, our guest this evening is a bit of a modern day Johnny Appleseed. This man spreads the message of progressive populism all across the American grassroots in the 90s. He became known as America's most popular populist. He is the twice elected commissioner of Texas agriculture and a national radio commentator, New York Times bestselling author and public speaker. He spent four decades battling the powers that be on behalf of the powers that ought to be regular people. And every month he pins the newsletter, The Hightower Lowdown, that blasts through the corporate media blockade to lend new reporting and a populist perspective on the events of the day. I would like very quickly, before we bring him in here, 
His name is Jim Hightower. I want to read some of his uh, a message he posted on his website after the election. Because after the election, there's a lot of talk about how uh, liberals, Democrats, the left, we were disappointed in the results, right? And he's trying to buoy people up. And this is what he says. This is movement building at its best and purest. Not only are we electing a broad and expanding network of officials, but also these runs, even the ones that fall short, do three essential things that advance the overall democratic cause. One, they increase the number, skills, and collective experience of our grassroots volunteers. Two, they spread and refine our progressive slash populist message. And three, they teach us how to run better next time if we're willing to learn, my message is an old and proven one. Persevere, keep pushing, build on what you learn, reach out. A movement is not a weekend project. So with that said, let's please bring him in here. Like I said, one of the OGs, Mr. Jim Hightower, everybody. Hey, Trey. Mark. Howdy, great sir. To, great to be with you, you guys. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, following your uh, dumbass uh, presentation there, uh, you know, Lily Tomlin once said, no matter how cynical you get, it's almost impossible to keep up. <laughs> that, <laughs> right, that seems to yes. be what's happening uh, yes. in America these days. So I appreciate uh, your effort to, to to not just expose, but to energize people to to do something about this uh, bullshit that's going on. In <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you know, we do what we can. I, I'm never amazed by people's capacity to say things they not only know aren't true, but don't believe just constantly. It's a, the, the bad faith is a bottomless. I thought they would get to the, get to the bottom of the well eventually, but we're not uh, getting there. <laughs> I, I love your, your, your pitch about uh, the Mnuchin lady, uh, about how valuable uh, charity is. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think of uh, Earl Long, former governor of uh, Louisiana, uh, who, uh, uh, told once about uh, a, a rich man who died and tried to get into heaven uh, on the basis of that he was a philanthropist. He said that that time I put a nickel in the in the uh, in in the in the woman's palm who needed car fare home. That time I I gave uh, put a nickel in the, in the blind beggar man's cup. The time I put a nickel in the uh, Salvation Army kettle. Uh, and as you know, if you'd gone to a Southern church, you'd know that you just don't get into heaven. You've got to appeal to the the angel in front of the pearly gates who decides whether you get it. And then St. Peter back behind the gate decides whether you get in or not. Right. And this angel, after this guy presented, said, what in the world are we going to do with this man? And St. Peter said, give him back his 15 cents and tell him to go to hell. <laughs> i've never heard attitude. that i like that. that's, that's real great. populism right there yeah well yeah. okay well all right on that note yeah let's talk about it again you spent decades uh spreading the populist word and lately you know populism is a term that people hear more and more you describe populism as quote a political doctrine rooted in the rebellious spirit and commitment to the common good of ordinary grassroots americans end quote but as you know Donald Trump has very much been painted as a populist, right? A lot of people think populist when they think of Donald Trump at this point. A, do you consider Donald Trump to be any kind of populist? And B, what is populism really? Or what should it be, I guess? Well, Donald Trump is not even a human, much less a populist. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's, let, let's, let's deal with the reality here. Uh, populism is an actual... Uh, movement 
that began in the after the Civil War, 1870s, 1880s. Uh, it was the uh, it in, invented uh, a, a very progressive new economy uh, based not on corporatism but on cooperative uh, operations that would uh, allow farmers and workers and et cetera to control their own destiny. They, they could tr- con- they could have capital that they could invest themselves. They could control the marketplace. Uh, they would have access to all all sorts of education and et cetera. Populism was a fundamental people's movement, little people's movement, battling uh, the, the powers that be on behalf of the powers that ought to be, those workaday, ordinary uh, folks uh, in uh, in our country. Uh, and they, they took it on. Uh, the, the populist movement was the first to endorse women's suffrage uh, as, as a political movement. They were the first to support uh, wage and hour laws for labor, that they should have a right to a decent wage uh, the, the, and, and, a, uh, and, and, a, and a future in, in the economy. Uh, they were the first to oppose uh, lobby power uh, in the Congress, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it was a movement of ordinary people standing up, up against uh, the, the powers that be, uh, the powers that were running roughshod. Uh, over you know, just uh, farmers, over working people, over the environment, uh, over every aspect of our lives today. And we are still in the midst of that battle. Uh, the, the fundamental point of populism is that too few people control too much of the money and power. Right. And they use that money and power to get more for themselves at our expense. That's what it is. It's simple. Yeah. Um, so, do you think, because I've said for a long time, or I've always thought that, I agree with you, Donald Trump isn't even a human, let alone a populist, but <laughs> he there was a very concerted effort, I feel like, on his part and a part of his campaign to inject this sort of populist rhetoric into it, where he's like appealing to, you know, regular people, working people or whatnot. And I felt like a big part of why that seems to have worked for a lot of them is because it felt felt like he was the only one really doing it, you know, and especially when you look at like uh, the Democrats, particularly at that time, they just weren't even pretending to care about a lot of these people. And I know, obviously I knew then, and I know now that Donald Trump was full of shit when he was saying all that, but he was the only one that was like exactly. attempting to say it, you know? And like, do you think yeah. that, how much of that do you think plays into it? It being sort of a missed well, opportunity it, on the left, or the him filling that I mean, space. I guess you don't have to be in who's who to know what's what, and what's what is that neither political party is standing up uh, right. for the worker day people of the country, not standing right. up for the dirt farmers, not standing up for uh, working families, again, not standing up for the for the environment, people whose uh, water is being poisoned, uh, you know, et cetera, right down the line. Uh, so, so yeah. It, it, we open ourselves up uh, to uh, a Donald Trumpism, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is is not anything except egotism, right? Uh, and and that that then can become a sort of godly <laughs> sort of thing for a number of people because uh, you know wh- what else do they have? Well, that's the question. I mean, are we going to be a uh, are, are we, are we going to put forward a, a real people's uh, politics again, a, a politics of ordinary people taking on uh, those 
economic powers uh, that are just uh, barnstorming over uh, the workaday people of the country and creating an inequality that is intolerable in a democracy. You can't have a democracy uh, with a with the kind of uh, uh, suppression and oppression and repression uh, that that we have in our society today. We've got to put a new politics forward. Yeah. Do you? Uh, I was thinking today about why I've never been able to quite figure it out why Trump got hit with the label populist. And I, I have theories, but I think it's just because he sounded angry. And other politicians trying to get elected to national office try really hard to not sound angry. They want to do off these vague, positive sounding platitudes about moving forward. And you have Trump who doesn't have the discipline to do that. So he's just yelling all the time. And so people assume he must be mad at someone who's the right target. <laughs> and I, I, I just can't put my finger on it. He's just like, because, I mean, Trump is mad at people who he thinks of as looking down on him, which would be like the New York Times that are troll page and, you know, mainstream TV. Uh, like he didn't get an Emmy. He didn't like, like he's like he's mad at like New York State building inspectors. Like those are the powers that be to him, the people that stand in the way of him getting where he wants to be, but then, not actual and elites. Then he, <laughs> and then he built his career by coming down on people he's mad at, uh, mm-hmm. which are the working yeah. people, which are the immigrants, uh, right. mm-hmm. which are uh, poor people. Uh, he hates poor people. Uh, yeah, you know, et, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, uh, so he he is a complete fraud. But the question is not who is Donald Trump. The question is who are we? Uh, mm-hmm. Are are we going to build a new politics that actually matters? That actually stands up uh, to these forces that people are genuinely mad about? I do a lot of work with farmers. Uh, farm families are, are being just run roughshod over uh, when, when I was first involved in this in the 1980s uh, I was in Iowa and, uh, uh, and, and, and a guy came up to me and said uh, uh, do, do you do you know the difference between a farmer and a pigeon and I said well no and he said well a pigeon can still make a deposit on a John Deere <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got some good ones. I like these. This this is real stuff. I mean, people come up with this themselves, you know. Right. Uh, Um, And and they come up with it because it's reality. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's and that's that's what we're facing. Uh, so, but the, but the but the beautiful reality is that the people are ready to respond to something big, uh, mm-hmm. so, something that actually empowers them again, uh, and that goes against the corporate powers that are running roughshod over us. So, I'll tell you just a quick story of a of a uh, uh, when I was first running uh, for office in Texas. Uh, among the issues I was running. On uh, was uh, the gas corporations were running roughshod over people, gouging them with exorbitant uh, uh, prices uh, on their uh, monthly bills, uh, and and I, I I I was invited into a, a judge's office in Tyler, Texas, East Texas, uh, and uh, and I was told by the guy who was guiding me uh, through 
Tyler. Uh, now, kind of be careful because he's very conservative, you know, so just don't dump your whole load on him. So I sat in front of him. He had his feet propped up on the desk. His hat was back. You know, he was comfortable. And he was saying, okay, sonny boy, tell me your story. And I said, well, I'm run, running, you know, trying to trying to do something for the people and et cetera. And, and your honor, it seems to me that uh, these gas utilities, they're, they're just not being entirely fair with the consumer. And he leaned over into me with a scouring face, and I thought, oh, shit, even that was too much for him. And he said, Hightower, in your private moments, wouldn't you say they're fucking us? (laughs) 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 That was my lesson about uh, who's conservative and who's progressive, who's liberal in our society. We can't make assumptions. The ordinary people know they're being roughshod over, and they will respond to a politics that responds to them. Okay, so, all right, sort of on that note, I feel like for a long time, I feel like Democrats used to be sort of the party of the working man. You know what I mean? Like, that was part of it. They had this sort of, like, populist bent, and it seems like that's been mostly abandoned, you know, apparently. And it's just, I don't know if they view it as a lost cause. It's not worth spending time on or, or whatever. But, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, what? What happened to that? Like, what, what's going on with the Democratic what, Party, and where where well, has what, this what sort of disappeared money. to? Right. I mean, I mean, our, our party decided uh, that it could take that same corporate money, right, uh, and uh, and run against the Republicans. Right. But I can tell you from experience, if, if you take that corporate check, written on the back of it, uh, is the corporate agenda. <laughs> uh, yeah. And 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 they're going to cash the check, not you. Uh, and that's what happened to the party. But now there is a change coming because uh, people mm-hmm. like Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Warren and Stacey Abrams and uh, my congressman, John Lewis. He's dead, but he's still my congressman <laughs> <laughs> from mm-hmm. Georgia. Uh, and people like uh, Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Deb Holland, uh, the new interior yeah. secretary right. uh, uh, f- uh, from New Mexico, uh, Dynamite. Uh, these are big changes and people are onto it and they're looking for a, a real politics. And so it's incumbent on us. Are we going to create that politics farm? Are we going to respond to them or not? I, I was thinking today about, um, cause I know you, you wrote a book about, um, um, uh, food price gouging. Um, and I was thinking about the grapes of wrath, which of course is where the title came from. And like, it, I was thinking about how like we, the people have been sort of domesticated to, like, like during the depression, when a, a bank foreclosed on a farm and somebody would come around trying to buy it for cents on the dollar, neighbors would come, would come to the auction and stand there with a gun in the guy's back so the family could buy their own farm back for a penny or 10 cents or whatever. And why don't we do stuff like that anymore? <laughs> I guess we're beginning to. I, I think uh, yeah. that uh, groups like People's Action, uh, Our Revolution, mm-hmm. uh, groups called Bold and Jolt, <laughs> mm-hmm. are, are, they're, they're substituting themselves for the failure of, of the old line uh, establishment Democratic Party. Uh, they're, they're coming forth uh, with those things. Uh, I, I just had uh, on, on a, on a uh, 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 Facebook Live program that I do, uh, Jane Klebb uh, out of Nebraska, uh, and she took on the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, mm-hmm. not on behalf of the sand cranes who are, you know, endangered, uh, by by the pipeline going across the Ogallala Aquifer, but on behalf of the farmers and ranchers who are being mm-hmm. roughshod o- over 
uh, by this power. And she did things uh, like uh, she built a barn because she needed Obama to oppose uh, the the extension of this uh, pipeline across the Ogallala Aquifer. And so she built a barn, uh, a real barn, not, not a little cardboard thing, a real barn with solar panels on it. So Obama had to tear down that barn and tear down the solar panels <laughs> in order to allow a sludge pipeline to go across people's <laughs> clean water. She won mm-hmm. by making that <laughs> fight. That, that's, that's the savviness that we have to have. We have to do it yeah. ourselves. we got to be the, the clever ones. Right. Yeah. So we, we've talked about on the show before the idea of like with the, the Democrats having the White House and, and both uh, houses of Congress and everything that – in our opinion, if they use that to just pass actual progressive policies, which if they truly are progressive in the way we talk about them, will end up helping people, regular people. And if that works the way we've always said it will work, then there won't be this big backlash from uh, from the other side. You know, if you actually help people, then you can reach people. Right. So stop worrying about trying to about what the other side thinks and just get things done that actually address the needs of regular American people. And if you do that, whatever the politics are, you will make progress with them. Right. Do you, do you agree with that? Is that how you see it going? You know, John Mellencamp has a song. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, uh, and the democratic party uh, for too long uh, did that. Uh, Now I think a change is coming. Uh, And, and, and even, you know, I, I I was not a, uh, an enthusiastic uh, Biden uh, supporter. Yeah. I was a Bernie Sanders person, right? Uh, but uh, but nonetheless, there he is, and uh, and this uh, program that he just uh, put in uh, with the COVID uh, response goes to the right people to do the right thing. It's 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 not trickle down economics, but percolate up uh, right. economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, invest mm-hmm. in the ordinary people, and they will carry the economy uh, forward. And you're right. Uh, Trey, if, if you just uh, if they do it, uh, people, you don't have to worry about what the right wing thinks, right? Because the people will figure it out for themselves. They know right. whether that that's what Roosevelt did, right? Uh, they, they yeah, I mean, wait a minute, this guy's on our side, then we're going to yeah. be on his side, right? Speaking, I, I firmly believe you're correct that people know how they're, I mean, are, are the best judge of how their own lives are going and uh, uh, will be happy when they're going well. And along those lines, uh, you came up with what you call the Doug Jones and, uh, uh, um, and, and uh, explain the Doug Jones thing to, uh, to the listeners. Well, like well the, 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 the media and the politicians focus on the Dow Jones average, mm-hmm. uh, the Wall Street. Uh, profiteering. Uh, how's Wall Street doing? How how's how how is the Dow Jones average faring? Well, most people are wondering how. What about Doug and Darlene? How are they yeah. doing? We yeah. need the Doug Jones average. What what's mm-hmm. what's the price of beer today? What's the price right. of gasoline? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. these basic fundamentals, uh, and that's that's what we have to get back to. And if we do. Uh, th- then we, not only will, will we win, uh, but we will be able to govern in, in a way that America can be proud of itself. And so I, I know a lot of people say, well, I tell you, you can't, uh, you know, they've got all the money, uh, they've got the media, et cetera, et cetera. We can't fight them. But uh, I, I just point out that even the smallest dog can lift his leg on the tallest building. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing one thing COVID taught me when, when the, the panic about the economy happened, when everyone, the, the shutdowns first happened, my first thought was, oh, holy shit, a general strike would work great. Like they, 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 two days of everybody staying at home, like sent the entire ruling class into a huge panic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and we have to be thinking in those big terms. I mean, we are, after all, the power. I mean, they have no power <laughs> if, if mm-hmm. we actually respond, and particularly if we respond in the big ways uh, that you're talking about. I mean, a general strike, that's, that's, a, that's considered a fantasy, even in the labor movement today. But nonetheless, uh, it, it, would, it would generate a tremendous response from grassroots people. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a wildcat teacher strike in Oklahoma, what, two years bingo. ago? That was exactly. extremely effective. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. So uh, before we get out of here, uh, I want to ask you, please, to sort of elaborate on what the high tower lowdown is and also how our audience, if they so choose, could learn more about you and what you're trying to do out there. Well, so I think thank it's you. The, uh, the high tower lowdown is our uh, monthly uh, political uh, populist uh, newsletter. Uh, uh, taking on the powers of B on behalf of the uh, powers that ought to be. Uh, and, uh, and it comes out monthly, and you can uh, connect to it uh, through uh, HightowerLowdown.org. We also do uh, radio commentaries, uh, also available through that same uh, website. And uh, we do now a, a happy hour, Facebook happy hour uh, at the Chat and Chew Cafe, which is right here in my kitchen, in fact, uh, <laughs> and uh, have all sorts of uh, people, uh, sc- scrappy folks who are battling uh, the bastards on behalf of uh, the ordinary uh, folks. So you can connect through it all uh, with uh, through the HightowerLowdown.org, HightowerLowdown.org, and there I am. All right. Well, everybody check that out. Uh, Jim Hightower, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Much respect. Keep doing what you've been doing for forever, brother. Thank you so much, sir. (laughs) All righty. Yeah. That was a, that was hard. I mean, like it, as long as he's been at it to, I mean, he was like first started writing about politics and organizing in the seventies. And if he's optimistic, then I'll be optimistic. (laughs) <laughs> For sure. And that's part of like, uh, I didn't, I didn't read the entire quote, but I was reading part of his post election message. And when he was talking about, you got to persevere, you got to keep pushing. I mean, obviously he speaks from experience, but then he goes on to say there, he's like, you know, if you don't believe me, ask those who launched the women's suffrage movement, none of whom lived to vote, but they mm-hmm. kept advancing. Um, or asking the various communities of outsiders who fought literally and are still fighting for civil rights and human dignity, you know, <laughs> like it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know what I mean? And I, I've also been, I've more and more lately, I felt like I've tried to remain optimistic, but I've always mm-hmm. been generally optimistic about, cause I just feel like the March of progress is inexorable on a, like, on a macro scale. Like we've mostly progressed one direction. And I know every now and then, we take a few steps back, but generally speaking, over the course of history, we have moved in what I consider to be the proper direction. So I'm just like still holding on to that, trying to have faith. You know, I don't think that younger, you know, Mark, me and you, hell, we're both old now. The kids coming up today, I just don't believe that that the huge chunk of them are, you know, shitty racist dipshits uh regressives that are going to drag us backwards in time you know and if that's true yeah then i think we'll be okay 
I mean, there's that there's that old Churchill quote, like if you're if you're 20 and you're not a liberal, you don't have a heart. But if you're 40 and not conservative, you don't have a brain. Have that a old brain, thing, right? Which there's some truth that people get more conservative as they age, except the things that make people more conservative as they age, um, you know, stuff like buying a house and paying property taxes, uh, like annoying school board stuff, uh, uh, having kids. Those are things a lot of people, a lot of millennials and Gen and Zoomers can't afford to do. There's right. nothing. There's nothing to make them more conservative. <laughs> Right. So are you like they, uh, the boomers might have fucked themselves. They've uh, they've carved well, out. They, they've, they've cut the kids off economically so much they're going to come out radical communists. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. For, yes, Matt. Thank you. Uh, questions and comments. You can start throwing them up there. I also think that part of it is just like because of the way the march of progress works. Like when me and you are papaws, you know, when we're seventy something or whatever, mm-hmm. we may not have the most open minded viewpoints on like cyborg rights or whatever's whatever's going yeah. on at that time like we'll be sitting there like i don't back in my day we didn't have robots with dicks i don't know what like why yeah. why, why do robots need dicks for you know or whatever no whatever. daughter of mine's dating somebody from jupiter well, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 right so yeah that's part of it too i remember <laughs> I, I i first heard that quote the whole liberal at 20 no heart conservative 40 no brain from the president of the business school that i went to in college and uh when he first said that he, i was like a diehard liberal at the time but when he said that i was like oh that's clever and then i find out later it's like well yeah it's a winston churchill quote but i i think it's one of those that like sounds real good but really is bullshit i remember actually right after i heard that i parroted it to my dad on the phone i was like listen to what this professor said or whatever and as soon as i said it my dad was like well i, I don't know that sounds like bullshit to me <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was like i mean i'm 50 and i don't i'm not fucking conservative like i don't know you know he, he wasn't happy. well i've never even really been able to figure out what the expression even means because it's like why are you bragging about how you forgot how to be warm to care about people yeah right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. We, uh, yes, you forgot to give a shit about everybody but yourself as you got yeah. older, you know. You got yours. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's ultimately what the what it all boils down to for me with all that is like just even pretending to give a shit about people who aren't like you, you know, or not. Crystal, oh no. Crystal Clode Clode <laughs> As y'all know, I don't say words good. Crystal Clotchy says, fantastic interview. What a cool fella. Yeah, like I said, an OG. Been doing it uh, since me and Mark were a glimmer in our daddy's eyes. I feel like uh, Matt only seeks out last names with at least three Zs and Ks in them to fuck with <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, te- Texas liberal populists are a special breed, the prairie populist sort of thing. Like Molly Ivins was my, one of my favorite writers, and I was lucky enough to work for the same newspaper she did. And so I got to read her for free all the time until she passed. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, they're a, fighting and losing constantly uh, makes your back strong. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, well, we were just, uh, the thing we were just talking about, I saw this meme or this tweet that was going around this weekend. I don't know if you saw it. Somebody took a picture or either maybe they found a picture on the internet or something from the New York subway of a, a woman in a burka sitting beside a drag queen with their, their legs spread, you know, and heel full drag queen get up. And then a woman in a burka sent beside him. And the person who tweeted it, this conservative that tweeted it, captioned it. This is the America that liberals want. Right. And it's like, and it got a lot of traction over there, but 
then someone, this isn't my thought. I agree with this, but someone else pointed out, it's like, you know what you like, you know, these two people both already exist, right? Meaning like, you're saying they shouldn't be able to. It's not like a hypothetical future that liberals are going to bring to bear if they are allowed to have any power or whatever. Like these are real people that exist in the world. And what you're saying is you are of the opinion that they should not be allowed. Like that they should you're, be. You're saying, it's the, you're saying it's literally the America that already exists. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the, this is the present that, li- that, that, that Americans already, the future liberals want is the president that already exists, which is why it's a picture, got a picture taken of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but also like you're like I, the core essence of conservatism is uh, uh, the, of the people I grew up around with is like, I got my own property. I stay on my land. I'm my own, my own fucking business and you leave me alone. Right. There's two people who couldn't be more different, minding their own business on their goddamn way to work in the morning. That is the essence of, that's supposed to be the future the conservatives want. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay out of my fucking business. Yeah. I'm a dude. I also, thing. like, it ain't none of your goddamn business. So leave me alone. Also, I'm not sure how we got there, but like the person, a person who's a, a observant enough to wear a burqa is not left wing. Right. Yeah. Of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like it, it, yep. I mean, it's not yeah. being like I, I don't, I don't know how like we like somebody made this point where they're talking about like ter- like for the government doesn't count Islamic puts Islamic terrorism as a different category than right wing terrorism, but Islamic terrorism is right wing very terrorism. much right wing terrorism. Yeah, yeah, I used to have a bit about how all the similarities between like hardcore <laughs> conservatives and fundamentalist Muslims or whatever. Um, because, yeah, fundamentalism is fundamentalism. But you were saying, you're like, that's not a left-wing thing. I remember a brief anecdote. I used to, at my old day job, I had this super conservative lady I worked with who we would get into debates all the time. And I liked her. Well, hang on. I'll come back to this. Let's read this. Mary in San Francisco says, I've gotten more left slash progressive as I've gotten older. Once life kicks you in the teeth a few times, you start seeing shit for what it is. And as a Christian, I'm obligated to give a crap about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, you know, I wish everybody felt the same way you do, Mary in San Francisco, because that's yeah, especially yeah. Christians. You know, that is the way that Christians should look at everything, but so I many mean, of them don't. the The internet's radicalized me just like as everybody else, and like like I, I keep moving left and left. Like I, I, everybody thinks they're being radicalized in the right direction, and I get that. But I, but I, I don't know how you can scroll across just just as many GoFundmes for healthcare and not want to radically changed the way America's organized. It's just, it's bizarre. Right. They'll, yeah. And uh, like the mate, there'll be like a newspaper article about some girl, some like 12 year old girl. And it, it's framed as like 12 year old girl starts lemonade business to pay for her father's surgery or whatever. And it's like, what a hero. And it's like, no, what a fucking travesty that is. Yeah. That, like that's there was, the there was literally reality we live in. That's not a feel good story. That's a fucking shame. There was literally a viral story last week about a girl running a lemonade stand to pay for her own brain surgeries, and it was presented as a heartwarming tale. It's right. like this is the this is the girl doing child labor to pay for life saving brain surgery. It's not heartwarming in any way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. So, all right, the anecdote I was telling, I'm actually thinking I've either told this on here or on the Well Read podcast before, <laughs> but still briefly, I used to get into political debates with this super conservative I worked with all the time, and I actually really liked her as a person, but we were very far apart politically. And she knew that. And one day we were in a training class and the training instructor asked, like, let's say hypothetically that the state of Tennessee 
was about to pass a new law that said it's illegal to smoke cigarettes outdoors in the state of Tennessee. Can you give some, uh, like, can you give some challenges to a law like that, like legal challenges? Because it was like a contract class we were taking. And I said, smart assily, I said, uh, this is America, you know, and people kind of laughed. So I felt good. That's all I wanted was a couple of laughs or whatever. That's all I was saying. But the woman I'm talking about turned around and looked at me and she goes, she goes, typical liberal. And then she turned back around and I was like, that wasn't, no, it wasn't like that was a super conservative thing. I just said, like, that was very conservative. Like, fuck you, the government. You can't tell me what yeah. to do. That wasn't liberal at all, you know? And, but like, and that was like the first time I realized like, oh, liberal, that just means whatever you don't think is correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So like we're talking about fundamentalist Muslims they're grouped in with like the left wing just because Uh y'all don't believe the shit that they believe. So it's like anything that you disagree with becomes Uh liberal. Like liberal Uh is the umbrella that covers everything you disagree with, whether there's any truth to, you know, where it actually falls on the spectrum or not. Yeah. I mean, like, the, we're not, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that like observant Muslims can't be left wing. Obviously, Ilhan Omar. And they, they, they're, there's, yeah, that's why examples, I keep saying but, fundamentalist yeah, for the record. Because I feel like fundamentalism if, is a diff, is another level, you know. Yeah. But like one thing American right wingers and fundamentalist Muslims both have in common is they will set off bombs to stop abortions. So, right. There you go. There you that's go. what we're saying. All right. <laughs> On that bombing baby. Note, let's uh, get out of here. It's a good place to end, I think. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week on Weekly Skews. I'm Trey, and that's Mark. So y'all love you. Bye. Mm -hmm.